It's Monday, June 6. I'm Pam Jones, sitting in for Sarah Y. Kim. The state's COVID positivity rate still hovers above 8%, with more than 2,000 new cases added. Gas prices in the state have hit a new record high, according to AAA. Baltimore Pride is returning to the city this year. We'll have those stories for you in headlines. Plus, we'll have a report about how the pandemic has created a work life riddled with underfunding, staff shortages, fear, and intimidation for Maryland's county health office. It's the Daily Dose from WIPR, our latest reporting on Maryland's COVID-19 response and the local news of the day, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. The state's latest COVID-19 positivity rate is 8.36%. In the latest 24-hour period, there were more than 2,300 new cases. 511 people were hospitalized and five people have died. While the majority of students have returned to in-person learning in Harford County, school officials say a number of families are opting for virtual learning. The deadline to apply for virtual learning programs in Harford County is tomorrow, June 7th. An assessment must be completed to determine whether a student is prepared to learn virtually. Baltimore Pride is returning in person this year after a hiatus due to the pandemic. With the theme Together Again, the week-long event kicks off on Monday, June 20th with a ribbon-cutting ceremony at the new Baltimore Pride Center. A full list of events can be found at BaltimorePride.org. Officials with the Maryland Department of Natural Resources and the Federal Fish and Wildlife Service want fishermen to help control the growing population of northern snakeheads, and they're willing to pay them for the help. Officials are offering gift cards to anyone who reels in one of the snakeheads, which are an invasive species. The state tagged up to 600 of the fish and will pay between $10 and $200, depending on the tag. Some anglers are also interested in eliminating the snakeheads because some are turning up in crab traps in the bay. Gas prices are at a new record high in Maryland. AAA finds the state and national average price for a gallon of regular unleaded is up to about $4.85 a gallon. That's a 25-cent bump over the past week and about 60 cents higher than last month. The price is over $5 a gallon in nine states as well as D.C. Local health officers in Maryland have been hit hard by the pandemic. While there has been a lot of progress in mitigating the severity of COVID, the challenges they face, and including underfunding and staffing shortages, still loom large. WIPR's health and housing reporter Sarah Y. Kim has more. Ruth Mariana is executive director of the Maryland Association of County Health Officers, also known as MACHO. It's a nonprofit association made up of the state's 24 local health officers. For them, Mariana says, the past two and a half years have been a shock. As before, we were basically invisible in our communities. As long as something wasn't happening, nobody was paying attention to what a local health department did. But the pandemic has thrust them into the spotlight. Local health officers in Maryland and across the country have dealt with intense harassment. Threats of violence, threatening language, racist language, homophobic language, threats against family. That's Dr. Nilesh Kalyanaraman, Anne Arundel County Health Officer and President of Macho. He says the harassment has taken a toll on him and colleagues. Eight local health officers have left their jobs during COVID. 
Mariana says that two of the officers were already planning on retiring, but she wonders if the stress of the pandemic accelerated their departure. I think the stress of the job certainly did not help some of the others. Among those others is Dr. Travis Gales, who was county health officer of Montgomery County until he resigned in September. Gales faced backlash for COVID safety measures. It included a challenge in federal court brought by a group of private school parents who were against postponing in-person classes in 2020. It also set off a torrent of personal threats to me, my family, and my staff. Speaking at a joint Senate and House committee hearing in March, Gale said he sought guidance from the state health department on implementing guidelines on reopening schools. We received none. And Gale said he did not receive the support he expected from state health officials for enforcing the state's pandemic guidelines. Another local health officer who resigned during COVID was Ed Singer, who served Carroll County and was also president of Macho. I really felt like uh, the Secretary of Health of Maryland did not have, uh, and didn't essentially have the health officers' backs. And, and I felt like he was not supportive. And uh, really, I felt like he was somebody I didn't want to work for. Singer resigned in October, shortly after Gales. He says it felt like local officers were on their own, especially when elected officials were upset with COVID regulations. Singer said he personally had a good relationship with his own elected officials, but he still felt that local officers lacked support from state health leaders when things got politically difficult. In the same month Singer resigned, Dr. David Bishai was terminated from his position as Harford County Health Officer. Leading up to his termination, Bishai said he was harassed by county residents upset with COVID restrictions, who targeted him in a Twitter campaign. They would cite pseudoscience and they would say, why would the health department promote masking? They would promote uh, untried treatments. There was this ivermectin moment. Um, there was spreading of, of, of false claims about vaccines. Bashai says he was later surprised to learn from state health leaders that he was terminated. He later learned that the county council voted to terminate him along party lines. Again, it only took a couple dozen voices, but it alerted the local elected officials that, oh, well, you know, what's to lose? We can get political points by appealing to the loud vocal people. Bashai said he sought a clear reason for his termination from the council and the state health department, but did not get one. He described himself as a scapegoat for the state health department for enforcing its policies. Brooke Torton is a senior staff attorney at the Network for Public Health Law. Torton says Maryland's local health officers were subject to a lot of finger pointing. Um, nobody wanted to be, I think, responsible for orders that people didn't like. And she says some officers she's spoken with have tried to write off the threats they're dealing with. Still, it's very concerning, you know, needing to send your family to live somewhere else or, you know, change your route on your walk home or drive home from work. Torton wants to see state laws that specifically protect local health officers. Maryland, she says, has none. And that, based on a survey she conducted, puts it behind most states. Torton says 35 states, plus Washington, D.C., have statutes that are broad enough to protect public health officials when they are being threatened and harassed. Bottom line is Maryland was not one of those. In the latest legislative session, state lawmakers tried to pass laws that would protect county health officers, including a bill that would have made it a crime to threaten a county health official. It passed the Senate, but failed to pass the House. The legislature did override Governor Larry Hogan's veto of a bill that would make it more difficult for the state health department to remove a health officer at will. 
Former Harford County officer Bishai says at the root of his termination is a decades-long problem. Ideally, he says, he and his staff would have been able to spend more time engaging with the community and building trust. That would have mitigated harassment and misinformation. But he says it wasn't feasible. Because we don't have a workforce for it. We, we, were, we are continually systematically denied that workforce. For example, Bishai says, Congress has failed to pass legislation that would have established a student loan repayment program for public health professionals. And Bishai says local health departments are understaffed, overworked, and underfunded. We had a public health crisis and could not pay our workers overtime, period. Bishai says this is a fixable problem that hasn't been fixed and should have been. These workers, after all, are first responders. Now, if there, if there was a five-alarm fire, the firefighters get overtime. If there's a crime wave, the police get overtime. So we have the biggest public health crisis of 100 years, and the staff contracted to work 40 hours a week couldn't work 42 hours a week and get paid. Bashai also noted that MDH has relied on temporarily hiring more expensive outside help instead of relying on local talent. Macho director Mariana says that couldn't have been good for morale. So our staff, who are local health department employees, were working alongside people who were contractual, and they were getting paid hundreds of dollars an hour next to our people who were getting much less. MDH declined to do an interview for this story, but sent a statement by Dr. Jinlin Chen, Deputy Secretary for Public Health Services. Chen wrote that local health officers have been invaluable in protecting our communities. She also highlighted a Baltimore Sun op-ed by State Health Secretary Dennis Schrader, where he calls local health officers heroes and says that they often work seven days a week and put their own health and well-being on the line. Chan also noted that the governor recently budgeted a record $75 million for local health departments. Anne Arundel County Health Officer Kalyana Raman says part of the challenge in getting funding for public health is that it's about prevention. Mariana hopes that lessons from the pandemic will spur long-term change. We have a lot to do with recruitment, retention. We missed an opportunity to pay people what they were worth. Torton, the attorney for the Network for Public Health Policy, says even though we've made progress with COVID, we can't stick with the status quo. There will be, there are long-term consequences as a result of this. And Torton says we need to brace for the next major health crisis. Sarah Y. Kim, WYPR News. The Daily Dose is brought to you by WYPR, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Big thanks to my news team colleagues, Sarah Y. Kim, Rachel Bay, John Lee, Joel McCord, and Callan Tansel Suddeth. Our digital content director is Jamala Krempel, and our general manager is LaFontaine Oliver. The executive editor of The Daily Dose is Danielle Irby. Stay healthy, stay sane, and stand together. I'm Pam Jones. Thanks for listening.